Hey there, and welcome to our podcast, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Now, before we begin, we want to remind you to please take a moment to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you enjoy this content, please don't hesitate to leave us a five-star review and share this podcast with your friends. We'd like to extend an invitation to you and your family to join us for worship this week at our church. Thanks again for joining us, and now, enjoy the episode. Well, church, let's, let's open our Bible, shall we? We, we want to uh, hear a word from the Lord today, and He's given us His revelation. Um, this is what we call the Bible, and uh, we want to dive into that this morning. Um, I've continued to have a peace in, in liberty, of course no pun intended on this whole thought of liberty, but, um, but freedom to continue this thought or train of thought of our liberty or freedom in Christ and through Christ. Um, and so we want to uh, dive into chapter 8. Chapter 8, and we're going to read the first 11 verses today. Um, I think it's vitally important for a believer to know who they are in Christ. I think that the, the, the level of your worship, right, hinges upon your understanding of who you are in Christ, what Christ has done for you, that, that brings you to worship, that motivates you to love like Christ, to serve the Father like Christ. I mean, it is, it is pivotal to how you live your life, how you flesh out uh, Christianity is understanding more about the freedom you've been given in Jesus Christ. And so I, I just, when I look even at Russell County, there are so many, um, there's so many in denominationalism that is a threat to the reality of your freedom. And that disturbs me as a pastor. That disturbs me um, as just a simple reader of God's Word. Um, um, we are free and free indeed in Jesus. Amen? And, and so uh, let us not think religion always has it right when it comes to talking about if we're free or not, or is our freedom temporary? Is, you know, what is it? Let us always let God have the final word uh, when it comes to who we are in Him. And so that's what we want to do this morning. I always encourage you, don't take my word for it. Uh, be a Berean. Let, let the word of God determine whether I'm, what I'm saying to you is true or not. Don't, don't take my word as the final say. Uh, let the word of God be true. Alright? So I will do my best to rightly divide. Okay? Don't under, misunderstand me. I'm not going to be lazy with the word today. But um, please let the Spirit guide you in understanding the truth today. So Romans chapter 8. I will tell you this is a one of a part two message. Okay? So uh, I'm going to lovingly encourage you to come back tonight. Okay? And uh, to um, hear the part two. The part two is going to be covering verses 12 through verse 17. So I want you to come back and get this full picture here. I'm going to tell you, you just don't, don't jump out of, out of your pew, but this is an is exciting message today. Not in how I'm going to deliver it, but the truth we're going to unpack. It's exciting. Um, and because it is really a continuation or really a deeper answer to Paul's struggle, really, in chapter 7. And, and the answer he gives us at the end of that chapter. All right, So love what we're going to look at today. And so let's dive into these 11 verses, shall we? If you're there, say amen. 
Amen. All right. Romans 8, verses 1 through 11. There is therefore. So that, that reason I said this is a continuation, right, of what Paul was just unpacking in chapter 7. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit, speaking to the identity of the people that he's talking about. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, or because of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. For the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or make alive your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. In you, This is rich, folks, and I'm not going to plunge into the depths of this. I don't have the time, but it's rich. So give God your attention today. And when we get to the end of this, if you're a believer, you're going to be able to leave here saying, Thank you, Lord. Amen? And if you're, if you're here today and lost, I want you to see the opportunity that the Father has made for you to be born again and be a partaker of the rich blessing that this text speaks about. All right? So let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord. For the reading of your word. And Father God, I'm thankful for the richness of this text. And I want us to leave here today knowing that if we are in Christ and the Spirit dwells in us, we are freed to be able to live like Jesus in this world. Not this, we know that he was perfect in the full sense, but we are able to live a life that pleases you, Father. We are able to combat the devil. We're able to be victorious over temptation. We're able to live the Christian life no matter the circumstance or the power of the temptation and the power of our adversary and even our own flesh today. I want us to see that in this text that we can leave rejoicing, that we should not wave the white flag in our Christian life but we can stay on our feet, marching forward for your glory, and, um, and stand fast and be unmovable. And so uh, help us, Lord, in this to give us assurance and confidence in who you've made us to be in our faith and trust in Jesus. And uh, Father, I pray that if there's someone here that has misplaced their faith, maybe they've placed their faith in sacraments, maybe they've placed their faith in a baptism,
or in a, in a priest or a good works or in whatever it may be. There is nothing that alludes in Scripture, in the harmony of Scripture, that says any of those things can justify us before you. But it's only in the shed blood and the resurrection of your Son. And I pray you help us to see that clearly today. Father, help me once again to disappear from the podium and the stage that only each one would hear you and hear your voice alone. And I pray all this in Christ's name and all of God's people said, Amen. Are you free to live like Jesus? And what I mean by that is this. You look at Jesus' life in his ministry. Now we know he was a man that did no sin. I get that. But you look at elements of his life. He faced the devil. He was tempted by the devil. He was victorious, right? There was tough circumstances. There was persecution. There was mockery. There was abandonment. There was a lot of things happening toward Jesus. But he remained faithful. He remained true to his father. And that's what I mean by this title, Are You Free to Live Like Jesus, right? And, and really, fast-forwarding this, I'm going to say, yes, you can. Because let me pose a question to you that I think if we're honest, we may have all, in a sense, asked this or said this. I just don't think I can do this anymore. You just think about the entirety of your life. Now, it's one thing to say that about secular things. I just don't think I can continue in this profession or this occupation. Or I just, my, my, my life or my age or whatever has come to a point, I just don't think I can tend my garden anymore. You know, there's things like that. You know, that they're secular. But dear friend, it's a real tragedy if we ever come to the point of asking this question on a spiritual context. I just don't think I can do this anymore. I just don't think I can flesh out the Christian life in this circumstance. It's just too hard. It's just too difficult. I've just made too big of a mess up to this point. I just don't think... I can continue. And that's powerful. That, that makes a huge difference in the trajectory of the rest of your life and also the lives you impact, your, your, your spouse, your family, your community, and ultimately, you know, how you're serving your Lord. Christians ask this question sometimes. The Bible's full of those that profess to be believers in Christ Sometimes just step away and not continue living like they should because I just can't do it. I want you this morning to know who you are in Jesus. And whenever you face the hardest circumstance of your life, you're able to reflect back to who you are and be able to say, Yes, I can continue here and now and what with what I'm facing. Amen? Yes, you can. You look at chapter 7, and I'm not going to go back and read or read chapter 7 for you, but Paul was saying, there's a war going on in me. Things I know I should do, I don't do. Things that I should not be doing. Sometimes I find my, myself doing it. There's this, there's this war, this conflict, and he's going all through this reality in his own life, which, hey, if we're all honest, it's oftentimes a reality in our life as well. But he comes to the end of chapter 7, and he says in, in, in verse 24, O wretched man that I am, who, not what, but who, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? 
I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself show the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. So he tells us that the, the, the one who I know will ultimately, of course, deliver me, but even right now, when I'm battling this, this flesh, this carnality, there's one that lives with me, that resides in me, that delivers me, that can and will and is faithful to deliver me from this body of sin, this body of flesh, that I can serve God even no matter how strong of, of opposition I'm facing, whatever it may look like. But then in chapter 8, he dives in a little bit in deeper of theology of why it is that. Why is Jesus the converging point of how I, yes, I can live for Christ? How I can continue, you know, uh, living like my Savior for the glory of God. And so I want us to dive into that this morning with what little time we have. And I'll try to be brief, okay? But chapter 8 is diving into a little bit deeper theology. And listen, if you want, it's not about just being confident in Christ right now. But, but the desire of God's heart is that you live confidently in Christ tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And if you don't understand the theology behind how free you are and who made you and how he did it, dear friend, you're going you're gonna to have doubts. You're going to start trusting your own self instead of trusting the Lord. You need to know where your faith is rooted in and it's in a person. And chapter 8 tells us why it is in the power of Christ, okay? So let's, let's dive into this. Three things, and I'll, I'll try to be brief. But number one, I want you to see this, that in Christ, as Paul has already claimed in chapter 7, chapter 8, we see verses 1 through verse 4, we're freed from the flesh, okay? Or we may say it this way, we are freed from indwelling sin, or the ruling of sin, or the power, in a sense, of sin reigning in our life. Now, I'm going to build here, so I don't want to lose you. I want you to see in verse 1, there is therefore now no, what's the next word? Condemnation. Condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, I want you to understand something. We're going to be, I'm going to take you back just a little bit before you were a believer. I want you to understand that he goes on talking about the law of the Spirit and the law of sin and death in verse 2. Okay, If you're a believer, you, you are uh, under the law of the Spirit of life. You're under, you're, you're under grace. You've been freed. But I want you to understand something about your life prior to being under that law. You were under the law of sin and death. Not that sin and death created this law, but that the law of God was materialized and revealed to us on earth about the holiness and the justice and the perfection of God. And what that told us from the law was this, is that sin and death reigns on me. The wrath of God is on me. You are not free. And I want you to understand something about this, this word, condemnation. I'm going to give you another word you may not use very often, but I want you to know, and I'll explain it, but I want you to know the depth of what, what it was like for you before you trusted Jesus. You see this word condemnation, which also brings this word called adjudication, which really, in a sense, takes you to the courtroom. 
Adjudication means that you are brought into the courtroom and there is a sentence placed on you. The judge places it on you. Now, we're not talking about an earthly legal court. We're talking about the court of heaven. And the, and, the, and the holy, righteous, just God of heaven is the judge. And those that are under the law of sin and death, dear friend, he has placed a sentence. And that is the wrath of God was on you. His justice had, had to say, you are sentenced. At that point, you're headed to hell. You are guilty. You are a rebel. You're not right with me. My wrath is on you. And I want you to understand something about this. Since it is the courtroom of the Father, that sentence or that judgment, there's weight behind that. There is authority you could take all the, the justices of this land and it would not add up to the authority that the Heavenly Father has when He has placed this judgment on you, those who are outside of Jesus. So understand this. There was no one on planet earth, nothing horizontally, no one on this earth that could uh, relieve or lift that judgment on you. No one. There, no one could do it. You were condemned. There was adjudication. There was a sentencing. There was a decision on the case of your soul. And God says you're guilty. The justice of God demanded it because you were not righteous. And so, but notice what it says a little bit further. We're building here. He says in verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh. Now stop there. This does not mean that the law of God is weak by nature. The law of God is strong. Because the law of God said this, God is holy, God is just, God is perfect, and you're not. And that's a huge problem. Paul is trying to remind them of who they are in Christ and for us to appreciate who we are in Christ, he said, I, I want us to, to understand who we were without Christ. Paul's talking about having the freedom and the strength to live the Christian life. I want you to understand who it took to bring you to that freedom. But dear friend, no one on earth could relieve you from this sentence. So the law by nature is strong, but the law by per, for its performance to bring you to being right with God, it was weak. In other words, that the law could not perform, bringing you to the Father, the judge of heaven, and him be able to say, because the law is here, you're justified, you're perfect, you're right with me. I, I can take my wrath off of you, and heaven will be your home. The law couldn't do it. It was weak through the flesh. So understand that. All of us are condemned before God outside of Jesus Christ. There's no priest, no sacrament, no anything that can relieve that sentence. There's condemnation. But Paul is saying that you are not under this spirit of, of sin and death. Look, look, look a little bit further here. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Now here's the glorious part, dear Christian. God sending his own son in the what? Likeness, so important, likeness of sinful flesh and for sin or because of sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Stop the press for a second. In, in verse 1, notice what he said, you're condemned. You're condemned. The ruling of condemnation is on you because you're outside of Jesus. But what the law could not do, he sent his son. So what the law could not do, God did. 
Boy, that just makes me want to shout. What the law could not do for me, God did for me. And he did it through his son. Okay? But notice, verse 1, who does, what's condemnation and what's it speaking about? Speaking about you outside of Jesus. But now notice what Jesus does with that now. There is a shift from you being condemned. Notice in verse 3. It says, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. Boy, that's a powerful thing right now. See, before I got saved, before Jesus saved me, the ruler of my soul was sin. And condemnation was on me, rightfully so, because sin was my king. But when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, as he's speaking to these believers at Rome, he said, listen, there's a change of throne. There's a change of someone that's on the throne of your soul now. And so what, what sin did for me was brought me to condemnation. Brought me guilty in the courtroom of God. But when Jesus saved me and he's, he is seated on the throne of my soul, he took that, that condemnation, shifted it off of me, and put it upon sin. And folks, that's something to rejoice about. It doesn't rule me. I owe it nothing with my life. And so when I come to temptation, when I come to struggling things in this life, my flesh is going to say, hey, you can't do it. Oh, just you, you, you owe me something. Just give in to your emotions. Just give in to your feelings. Just give in to what you want to do, how you want to respond. Folks, you owe your flesh nothing. It never did anything good for you. It condemned you. Christ justified you and he condemned your sin and so he wants them to know this power of Christ that when a believer comes and he's they're having this same warfare that Paul did it's Jesus that freed me from the body of this of this death it doesn't own me it doesn't control me I owe it nothing have you ever had that warfare Someone's hurt you, someone's put a scar on your life, or someone give you a bad business deal, or your spouse made you mad, and you want to, you want to do something different than other than following the Lord. You want to lash out, you want to speak your mind, you, you want to get back vengeance. Is really, that's, a big, that's, a, that's a real strong word, but in essence, that's what it is. You know what, that, when you do that, you know what you're doing? You're saying, I owe my flesh something because it did so much for me. It did nothing for you. Christ did everything for you. He shifted condemnation from being on you to on sin that, you, that used to rule you. That ought to make a Baptist shout. Amen? We don't get much shouting anymore, but that, one, that makes me want to shout. Amen? So we have been freed from the flesh. We've been freed from the flesh. You look at verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in who, church? Let's say, that, let's, let's, let's say that again. Be fulfilled in who? Us. Okay? Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So he's talking about those, the identity of who he's, the people that he's talking to. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. You know, oftentimes in religion, just th this picture gets painted many times. That salvation is almost like an umbrella. And then you can hang anything you want to underneath it, and, and you're going you're gonna to receive salvation. Whatever you want to hodgepodge, it just covers it all, right? We all believe the same. We serve the same God. You've heard that before, right? And that is just, it's just all sort of a melting pot. We're all going to get there, maybe by 
you know, a little different flavor of salvation, means of salvation. But we're all going to get to heaven by different means. I was raised this way so God will be sympathetic toward that. No, he won't. No, he won't. Salvation, Paul said, converges on one person. The law of God was tolerance for anything else other than Jesus' death and resurrection to justify you. Uh, there was no tolerance woven into the law of God. Okay, well, yes, Christ is the main way, but if you want to bring what your family's taught you or what your family's done for years, then we'll, we'll accept that too. No, no, no. Salvation is on an umbrella. Salvation converges on one person and one work that he did. Are you with me? Paul's saying if you're in Christ, you are freed from condemnation. You are freed from the law of sin. Because he condemned it. And you owe your flesh nothing. Yes, you can live the Christian life here and now. And I have to rejoice over that. Amen? And so, see, God doesn't expect you to do good works in the power of the old nature. Right? He's giving you a new nature. A new man. A newness. There's no condemnation. The indwelling spirit is who pleases God. And helps the believer please him. I'll give you a verse, and I'll, I'll move on quickly. Philippians 2.13 For it is God which worketh in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. So folks, hey, won't you write that down and commit that to memory? And this is why He can. Because you're in Christ, if you've repented and trusted Him as Savior, He will continue and is faithful to will in you and to work out His good pleasure. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Let me go to number two. I'll give you this. We're free to have assurance. We're free to have confidence. Because he goes on to talking about two different groups of people, this dichotomy or this difference between saved and lost. And he'll eventually get to this point to saying, hey, but you're not this, you're this. Okay? So look at this difference here that he's talking about in verses 5 through 9. For they that are after the flesh, okay, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So he's describing two different people. You have to ask yourself the question, who am I? Am, am, am I, as far as living out this, this life to please God, who am I? Am I, am I uh, someone for the flesh? Am I someone for the Spirit? Like, who am I? So he's describing these two people. So, um, after the flesh, do you mind the things of the flesh? But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the, the things of the spirit, okay, um, carnally minded. This is talking about a person that's never repented, never trusted Jesus, okay. So if you're here this morning and you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, understand this isn't you, okay. He's wanting to show you who you're not and who you are, and that's where the rejoicing comes. You see the difference, right? As we as we said many times, there's even songs about it. I'm not who I used to be. There's a difference. That's what brings rejoicing in our heart, and that's what Paul wants him to understand too. That you there was there's carnally minded people. Speaking of those outside of repentance and belief on Jesus, and so this listen to me. What he's going to describe here makes complete sense for those that aren't in Jesus. All right, the, 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 these types of people that are carnally. Minded. Notice verse 5. Notice verse 5. Um, For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, uh, but they that, are, um, they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Mind the things. Notice that. 
You, you see that? Mind the things of the flesh. What that means is, is that their mind, their, their desire is set. Their, their innermost person is bent. The bent of their person is towards sin. It is toward fulfilling my, my flesh, doing things my way, for my pleasure. They are bent that way. And that's what they want. That's the people that they are. They may lead a lady across the road, and that's a good thing, but they cannot do good, righteousness before God. They're bent towards serving themselves. There's people like that. That's who you used to be when you weren't in Christ. Carnally minded, they were bent toward those things. Now, these people can be morally good, as we would use the word good. Oftentimes, in our normal language, um, um, we would be, they could be religious, right? But they lack spiritual life. There's no life in them, spiritually speaking, okay? Because um, you look back at verse 2. Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me give you a few verses. Jot these down for the sake of time. I'd love for you to turn there now, but time is, is fleeing us. Romans 6, and, well, you could probably turn there. That's pretty close. Romans 6 and verse 21, just a page or two back. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is what? Death. Okay? There's no freedom there, right? It's death. That's who these, who these, who these people used to be. And if you're not in Christ, that's who you are. James 4, 4. Ye adulterers and, and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity. We've read that word here in Romans too. Enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy. Okay? An enemy of God. And they're fine with it. They're, they're, they're just they're heading that direction. They choose by their own volition to do that. They're responsible. Um, and this word enmity, by the way, means this. They are, they are uh, um, rebels toward God. They are an opposition toward God. They're enemies of God. One more verse. 1 Corinthians 2, 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So I would, I would, I would uh, word these people as this. Their innermost person is rooted in one phrase as opposed to the other. They're rooted in this, I will, and not in thy will. That make sense? Jesus said, thy will be done, right? It's, it's for the Father. So their life is a I will. The Christian's life, even in the midst of their mistakes, we all make mistakes, right? We, we battle this flesh, but in the innermost being where the soul lives and where the spirit dwells, there is a resounding voice and a witness that, that brings into our hearts and minds the, it's not I will, but it's thy will. Okay? That's who the believer is. You may make mistakes, and you may sometimes serve you flesh, but there's a constant witness within you, and there's a constant reminding within you that it's Thy will, not I will. Amen? And so we have been freed to have confidence. Because notice what he says. Notice what he says here in verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Okay? So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So this person, here's what they get. Here's, here's the benefits. Death, enemy against God, 
not an ability to submit to His holiness, and they can't please God in a righteous sense. But notice what Paul is saying here as we come to verse 9. But ye are not in the what? Flesh. What I just painted for you, which Paul did it, the inspiration of the Spirit, carnal people, carnal-minded, the lost individual, not saved, that's not a good position, is it? And it makes sense for them to serve themselves and not do the right thing and not do holy things or things that God would seem as... And, and of course, they can't do it. But, dear friend, listen to me. You're not in the flesh. That's been condemned. It doesn't rule you. So whatever you're facing... In your life that you may be on the verge of saying, I just don't think I can flesh out the gospel here. I just don't think I can flesh out this Christian life right here and now. Go back to who you are, right? You're not condemned. Your sin's condemned. And you've got confidence that, no, my innermost man, I'm not bent towards sin. I make mistakes, but I'm bent to want to please God and to serve God. Your natural self doesn't have that desire, but God puts it in you when you trust Him. Amen? God gets all the credit and glory. Folks, listen to me. I want you to live victoriously for Jesus. I want you to stand before Jesus and Him say, well done. But the well done uh, 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 reception will, will only come after a life that will continue living in confidence in the one who has set them free. And their freedom is an indeed freedom. Amen? So this is important. Spiritually minded, right? They're not in the flesh. You've been given, look at verse 6. You've been given life and peace. Okay? The word life means the condition of living or the state of being alive. Right? And Christ has done that. And it says the blessing of peace. You've been life and peace. That's a state of peace that is a blessing or favor from God. Before you trusted Jesus, there was no peace on you. There was wrath. But you've been given life. And because that life comes from Christ, you now have peace with God. And you can live for God. Don't believe the lies of the devil. Don't believe the lies of your flesh. Or others that may try to sway you to do Something different than what God would have you to do. Verse 9, Paul states the obvious answer to the question, really. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Folks, when you trust Christ, who does the Spirit indwell? You, the believer. So Paul is not doubtful here. He's asking a question that really is stating the obvious answer. He does dwell in you. So if he does, and he does, right... Right? Now, if, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you are Christ. You are free. You can have confidence. And you can have strength to live for the Lord. Inner dwelling. Who dwells in you? Sin that reigns? Or is it a Savior named Christ that reigns? Let me just tell you this, and I'm going to give you this last point, and we're done. We'll come to a hallelujah point, okay? When the Spirit comes in... And I'm going to use some good country vernacular. I think that's how we're going to speak in heaven, by the way. I have no scripture to say. That's just sort of philosophical. <laughs> when the Spirit comes in, He ain't leaving. Amen? I like that. He ain't leaving. I think there's some authority, but there's some power behind that ain't. He ain't he's not going anywhere. So, again, 
when you face obstacles, temptation, and, and very dark moments, the Spirit ain't leaving. And He hasn't left. And so therefore you should not abdicate your position as a Christian either. He has not shifted your feet from solid ground to shaking ground. If the Spirit leaves, then you have every right to abdicate. But He indwells, and He ain't leaving. So therefore, keep your armor on. Amen. Keep your head up. If you fall, if you fall down, get up. Keep walking for the Lord. We've been freed to be successfully living for the Father as Jesus did. We may make mistakes. He didn't. We may make mistakes, but we can continue forward. Lastly, and I'll, I'll be done, freedom for your body. You know, Paul said, I really warrant this body. This body on its own can't serve God. And it's just hard for, for my, you know, facing this body of flesh and all this. But it's amazing what happens to the body when the Spirit's dwelling in the soul, isn't it? It's an amazing thing what the Spirit of God can do with your body that's in constant opposition. It's the power, the powerful, the power of the Spirit. You look at uh, verses 10 and 11. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is what? Life because of righteousness. So I want you to understand your body, your body can be used for the glory of God. Amen? How do missionaries keep using their bodies in the field? Right? And Brother Randy and Sister Debbie, they, the, the, they'll leave and, and, and go away from How do they, does their body continue Right to serve and preach and swing the hammer? And how, how does this vessel actually submit? Folks, you think you do it? No, you don't do it. By nature, you don't have the power to submit this vessel to the glory of God. But there is someone who is taking up dwelling in me that can and knows how to submit this vessel for the glory of God. You may think you, you can't say I'm sorry to your spouse. You may think you can't turn away from the alcohol. You may think you can't shun the pornography you used to watch. You may think you can't turn off that rated R movie. I mean, there's so many examples. But dear friend, there's someone in you who can do that with your body. Yes, the spirit's going to die, or the, the body is heading to death, and it does not like God, but the spirit knows how to put a bridle on that body. He knows how to bring that body to open that Bible, amen, and the knees to hit the floor. He knows how to bring your body into subjection. So when you say, I don't think I can do this, can I tell you something? One or two things. Either you forgot who lives in you, or you know who lives in you, but you just doubt what he can do with you. One of two things. Paul says, who can save me from the body of this flesh? His name is Jesus. And the Spirit is here, living in me and living in you, on behalf of Jesus, conforming me. Conforming me. Conforming me. Not, necess not, not interested with my comfort, but conforming. 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 So it is, a, it is an amazing difference what your body will do when the Spirit lives within you. I'll leave you with a personal testimony of D.L. Moody. He described his conversion experience. He said, I was, he said, I was in a new world. The next morning the sun shone brighter and the birds sang sweeter. The old elms you know, waved their branches for joy and all nature was at peace. Life in Christ is abundant 
life. There was a different bend of his life now, toward a different direction. It was to a person, not himself, not to sin, but to Christ. D.L. Moody made mistakes. Paul made He told you in chapter 7. But there was a bend, a strong bend toward a person who freed him. That's Jesus. But listen, I'll leave you with this. Living for Christ is not an important thing at all if you've not been saved by Christ. What did Paul say? You indeed cannot please God. Indeed, truly, you can't. But you that are believers, you're not in the flesh, you're in the spirit. So yes, continue. Don't wave the white flag. But if you're lost today, if you've never, re- if you've never, if you've never confessed to God repentance, turning to Jesus alone, and confess to God you trust only Christ alone, by faith alone, sin still rules you. Condemnation is still sentence on you. And there's no way to please God with your life right now. But if you will submit, yield, can repent and confess Christ as Savior from your heart. The Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord lives, you are free indeed. You are freed, not for a little while, not till the next sin, but you are freed indeed. The Spirit ain't leaving. Amen? So believer, don't you walk away. If you're lost today, I pray that you will walk to Jesus. Run to Jesus. Fall on your face before Jesus. Come to the end of your rope. and Cry out to Him, trusting Him alone, by faith alone. Who, you are, who are you this morning? If you're a believer, you can say, Hallelujah, praise God. Amen, I can live this life for Jesus. But if you're lost today, you should be saying, not hallelujah, but Lord, save me. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment.